Welcome to On the Middle East, the podcast of the award-winning media service, El Monitor, where each week we talk with the decision makers and thought leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in the Middle East. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of El Monitor, and our guest today is Hannah Sala, El Monitor columnist reporting from Gaza, who will tell us about her experiences covering the war and how the people of Gaza are dealing with the aftermath of the conflict. Just to go over some numbers before we bring Hannah in, Gaza has close to 2 million Palestinians living in a 365-square-mile strip along the Mediterranean. Israel controls access to the north. Egypt controls the access to the south. Before the latest round of fighting, Gaza's economy was described by the UN as in, quote, near collapse. And according to the World Bank, 36% of Palestinian youths are unemployed. In Gaza, the number is 66%, including 91% for women. The Palestinian economy, already weak, contracted by 11.5% last year. Nearly a third of Palestinians, approximately 1.4 million, live in poverty. That percentage is higher in the Gaza Strip. Now, as a result of the conflict in which 12 Israelis were killed and over 350 wounded by Hamas rocket fire, 242 Palestinians were killed, 1,948 injured, the vast majority of them in Gaza, as well as 53 schools and 17 hospitals and health centers damaged, and 77,000 Gazans displaced. I should add that less than 4% of Gazans have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19, and the Biden administration has announced that Palestinians will be included in its plan to distribute 500 million U.S.-produced vaccines worldwide. We'll talk about all this with Hannah Sava, who joins us now. Hannah, welcome back to On the Middle East. Thank you. Let me start by saying that besides my podcast co-host, Amberin Zaman, you are our first ever return guest. You were on with us on May 5th, just one week before the escalation happened. And your headline from our conversation was, Gaza is preparing for escalation with Israel and Hamas over Jerusalem. Now, I ran down the numbers to start the podcast. You are there in Gaza, living and working in Gaza, covering the conflict and its aftermath. Give us a sense of the situation. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for including uh, updates uh, from Gaza. Uh, this time, um, we are talking about four weeks after the ceasefire agreement. Uh, this is the fourth Thursday uh, after the ceasefire. However, the situation is still... Uh, not that much stable. Uh, the war have, uh, has ended. However, the Israeli restrictions continue in Gaza and put the situation again uh, under uh, a pressure and uh, Gazans have concern that the confrontation might happen again due also to the continue, continuous Israeli uh, violations in Jerusalem, which was the main reason for the uh, previous escalation or the latest escalation. Uh, currently, the only commercial crossing with Gaza and between Gaza and Israel 
the Kerem Shalom is opened uh, uh, partially. Israel is not uh, allowing the entry of uh, industrial, agricultural, and other material that is, are needed for many sectors in Gaza. Only uh, it allowed the entry of fodder uh, for animals, uh, for livestock in Gaza, in addition to some uh, aid for UNRWA and other agencies. Uh, this has affected the prices in Gaza. There is increase in the prices, especially in the construction material. Israel, until now, uh, starting from 11 of May, uh, until the moment, it did not allow the entry of construction material for uh, the normal building uh, firm to, to build the firms in Gaza, even that are not related to the reconstruction mechanism. Uh, currently, there uh, there is a big need for to start the reconstruction. Uh, there is a big need for the economy uh, to flow again freely. However, these restrictions uh, prevent uh, the uh, normal life to come back again to Gaza. The, these are uh, things that put pressure on Gazans. They have concern how the reconstruction and when when the, the reconstruction mechanism will start. The Gaza-based ministry, ministries actually, the Ministry of Agriculture, Ministry of National Economy, Ministry of uh, um, uh, Public Works um, estimated that Gaza reconstruction mechanism need $500 million uh, to, uh, do, to start the reconstruction, $300 million only to rebuild in the new houses instead of these were uh, destroyed uh, in the latest um, uh, war, $200 million are needed for the uh, economic and commercial firms that were affected during the latest escalation. The shortage of construction material currently is covered by some entry uh, of cement uh, packages from uh, Salah al-Din gate. This gate is not a commercial or official commercial point. It was a uh, it was like a small crossing that uh, was opened a few years ago uh, based on demand and pressure from Hamas uh, in the uh, previous escalations. Uh, it was opened to uh, eliminate the effect of the, the closure of Kerem Shalom. The uh, amount of uh, construction material that are allowed to enter through Salah al-Din Gate are not enough to uh, continue the current um, uh, building uh, mechanism uh, that started before the uh, latest war. Uh, even some uh, other items like the iron is not allowed to enter Gaza through this Salah al-Din gate. So it is not um, a substitution. Salah al-Din gate is not a substitution for the only commercial crossing with Israel. And Israel is still putting a pressure on Gazans and on the local de facto uh, government to achieve more progress in the indirect negotiation that is happening between Hamas, Palestinian factions, and Israel. Um, Palestinians in Gaza expect that the rule of Egypt and Qatar and the United Nations will increase this time uh, in order to achieve progress. However, there is no clear uh, clarity, there is no clarity where uh, the reconstruction mechanism will start. There is need for approval on uh, the mechanism, who will be leading uh, the reconstruction mechanism, Palestinian Authority and West Bank, or international agencies in Gaza, the UN agencies, or only Hamas.
So it is not clear until now. However, expectations uh, from uh, politicians here in Gaza uh, who are saying that it will be similar to the 2014 mechanism uh, where uh, it was accepted to, uh, Israel was accepting the, the number of materials that should be um, entered to Gaza. Uh, there is a coordination happened uh, between the United Nations, local de facto government, Palestinian Authority on the names of people who can buy uh, the construction material and can import the construction material. And this ma made uh, the reconstruction of Gaza post-2014 very slow. Until the moment, there is uh, there are about 2,000 housing units in Gaza that were not reconstructed after that war because of this slow mechanism. Uh, the uh, Chamber of Commerce and other um, uh, agencies here in Gaza are demanding uh, facilitating the reconstruction mechanism. They don't want the 2014 reconstruction mechanism to happen again because it is very slow uh, reconstruction mechanism and uh, don't give them doesn't give them uh, the guarantee that this will be um, a free reconstruction mechanism where they can buy all the needed material uh, in in ta in a good time and to start the reconstruction in a good time so many obstacles are facing the reconstruction mechanism currently and there is no uh, agreement achieved to start even easing re the restrictions that were not uh, existing before the war. Before the 11th of May, Israel were allowing was Israel was allowing the entry of um, agricultural products to Gaza, allowing the exports of agric agricultural products from Gaza, the fish, uh, some some furniture to uh, West Bank, some clothes to West, West Bank, and allowing the entry of all materials, even the cement was removed from the GRM mechanism, it was easy to import the cement to Gaza. However, currently all of these uh, imports and uh, exports are restricted uh, from Gaza. Hannah, you mentioned the challenges in terms of getting the materials in for reconstruction. You mentioned the issues of, of housing. Uh, and the, the massive cost that's going to be for people to rebuild their homes. Uh, the official numbers I cited at the beginning were 77,000 Gazans displaced uh, from the bombing. Tell us, how are those people living who've lost their homes? Where are they living? And tell us about the impact uh, as you see it every day, not just as a reporter, but as someone who lives in Gaza, for folks who don't have homes who have been affected by this, as well as schools and health facilities that were affected by the bombing. Many people here in Gaza were supported by uh, some NGOs. They give them uh, rental subsidies uh, and they uh, were able to rent new houses uh, to um, to just to be to go to their life again. However, when they rent a new house, it's, it is not um, full of the furniture and the, their needs and the clothes. So a lot of um, fund w was needed for them to restore their life after the war. It is not easy uh, to substitute home after it was only uh, after all of this house and its equipment were totally destroyed uh, in the last war. So many people are using the rent subsidies now 
to uh, rent new houses, however, they still uh, not feel comfortable about this solution. Uh, they are waiting the reconstruction mechanism to, to start and to know whether they can have a new house in the same place uh, or a new flats in other places. It's not clear how the reconstruction mechanism will uh, support them. Uh, other uh, families are uh, still in the honor school. There is no uh, NGOs that supported them to have the rental uh, subsidies, so they stay there and they um, they believe that uh, staying in honor school means that uh, they, their demand is known more than those who went to other houses or to rent, and they, they don't have actually the financial ability uh, to rent house on their own uh, cost. They are waiting support, but they think that staying on UNRWA gives them um, the legal right to demand um, more uh, more um, uh, pressure uh, on politicians to uh, do the reconstruction mechanism and to agree with, with Israel to solve the problem. What about the impact on children in Gaza, in addition to those killed and injured schools have have also been hit how are children coping and and we haven't even mentioned yet covid-19 where the vaccination rates are well below where the, they should be even before the latest escalation in violence actually children in gaza are the most affected uh, people in in the population in gaza uh, many children are still dreaming of the fight and the, uh, even when they hear some sounds that uh, remind them of the rockets, they they um, feel that fear again, and that uh, they are still in the in the war. Unfortunately, the activities for children are very limited in Gaza. Uh, families in Gaza don't, don't have that much ability to to uh, do the summer activities for their uh, children. So they were depending on some projects to support uh, their children to have some. Uh, extra time, uh, but COVID-19 situation affected this because many uh, summer camps did not start uh, as usual this year. And I think that uh, closing the schools uh, was another problem. Due to COVID-19, uh, the Ministry of Education uh, decided to close uh, the schools. So uh, children missed uh, two terms or more than two terms of, from their educational uh, levels uh, this year and last year. Uh, they so most of uh, of families here are affected by the electricity shortage, and they were not able to uh, learn from distance and to use the electronic learning to uh, substitute uh, the um, and not going to the schools and the school closure by by the ministry. So I think that the children are are the most people who who need uh, who need psychological support in the future. And I think that this is a plan for, for children, um, charities here in Gaza, or even from abroad to support some charities here in Gaza. Um, I think that closing the schools and not having summer, summer uh, camps uh, have a, its implication on the children because they will be more affected in the coming months. And I hope that this will not last for long. For, for COVID um, situation, the numbers of uh, COVID cases, the positive cases, uh, boost the war, as I have monitored, uh, boost the war, the COVID-19 cases are decreasing compared to the uh, previous the war. Due to the Israeli uh, closure to the individual uh, crossings, uh, because the people are 
affected by the war and their their uh, activities are very limited and actually the war was for uh, 11 continuous days so there was like a break in the circle of covid-19 spreading in the in the gaza strip so the numbers are decreasing currently but i think this this was like something something positive that uh, i see because all these restrictions that ongoing have its negative implications on life however it has a positive implication on covid-19 situation but this doesn't mean that uh, this is perfect situation for Gazans. This is not good because um, Gazans need to move. They need vaccination. They need to continue their life after the war. The number of vaccination um, uh, allowed to enter Gaza is still limited, but people are more encouraged to have a vaccination after the war. Uh, I saw many people who went to many places in Gaza to get uh, the vaccine. However, the government is able to... Um, increase the number of people who can take the vaccine uh, starting from the age of 40. Before that, it was for the people who are 45 and more in age so, uh, who can take the vaccine. Currently, there are more facilitation for people who are above 40 and sometimes for people who are uh, younger than 40 because they want more people to be vaccinating, uh, vaccinated and so they are supporting them to take the vaccine. We have a piece on our site today by uh, your colleague May uh, Abu Hassanin, and we also have a video on the site too by Joe Snell uh, that Gazans are back at the beach, but this is in the context of a pollution disaster, as May describes it, because of the sewage in the water. Give us a sense of what's happening there. Due to the decrease in the number of electricity hours available in Gaza, uh, the only solution for for um, the uh, uh, for bombing the sewage is only the sea. It's only the the, the solution available for um, to substitute this this deficit actually in the electricity. Um, at the beginning of the ceasefire, uh, only four hours were available. Four electricity hours were available due to the shortage of fuel. Uh, Israel did not allow the entry of a fuel, and this has affected uh, the health sector and even uh, the, uh, tree, uh, the sewage treatment uh, plants in Gaza. So uh, only four hours were, were not enough to uh, treat the sewage or to find another solution. So the easiest way to get rid of the sewage is to send it to the sea. So uh, last year, there were uh, some spots defined by the ministry, uh, uh, the water authority here in Gaza that mentioned these are the safe spots that people can go to swim in. These uh, smallest spots were very limited compared to the big distance that Gazans can can use in, in the sea. This means that the pollution in the sea is huge and need treatment, but uh, actually there is no possibility and capabilities to the government or even the NGOs that are working in Gaza to solve this problem. People keep going to the sea. However, this, uh, this year we did not hear yet about some people who were uh, affected and went to the hospital due to the pollution. But last year we have heard about tens and hundreds of people who went to the hospital during the three months of summer uh, because of the pollution of the sea. They know that it is polluted, but they are trying to, um, to 
to find another way to have some fun time and they forget about the pollution or they try to skip that there is a, a pollution in some areas and they try to identify some areas by themselves considering that these are safe areas but unfortunately the the clean spots for swimming are very limited and this will affect the health of the children especially in gaza and other people in the coming days hannah is hamas a winner in this conflict and what is the perception in gaza of the politics between hamas and the palestinian authority now three weeks or so after the ceasefire actually after the end of this uh, latest escalation uh, hamas was hamas and islamic jihad were celebrating the victory they considered that this is a victory because israel started with uh, with the ceasefire uh, and they think that israel uh, said that it will start this ceasefire because uh, the resistance was stronger than the previous situation and it could um, uh, target Tel Aviv and other cities with uh, more distance rockets and they were affecting the uh, military capabilities of Israel. Uh, they were talking about achieving uh, economic uh, facilitations to Gaza, and they they were speaking with a big confidence about um, having a good power uh, in pressuring. Uh, they have they think that they have the power on pressuring on Israel through the indirect negotiation to achieve more uh, um, development to Gaza and to achieve more uh, financial support for Gazans. However, what is ongoing that we did not hear about any improvement in the reconstruction agreement and even the reconstruction, which is supposed to be the easiest thing to start, it is not easy to start now because uh, the reconstruction need a unity um, government between Hamas and Palestinian Authority because Palestinian Authority is the well-known um, person or the well-known government for the international community and all the aid, all the fund that uh, will be uh, supported to Palestinians should come through the Palestinian Authority. Hamas was not saying enough uh, statements about reconciliation as much as they were saying about the victory and achieving uh, progress in the negotiation to uh, ease the restriction and to improve the situation in Gaza based on the, the indirect negotiation only. They were not saying anything about how the reconciliation between Fatah and Hamas will improve the situation in Gaza, which means that uh, there is a political, um, a internal political problem that will face the Palestinian, uh, the Palestinian uh, house and the reconstruction uh, process. I think that the uh, political situation is more complicated. The military situation is improving. Israel is not accepting any any uh, of the conditions that Hamas demanding, but Hamas inside Gaza is celebrating that it has more than three Israeli soldiers and Israel should pay um, uh, good conditions for Gazans to accept the swabbing deal. Israel is still pressuring using the economic tools uh, to achieve 
more conditions even for, for itself. So it's a competition between Hamas and Israel to do a swabbing deal for prisoners, uh, four prisoners or five prisoners with Hamas, with uh, uh, compared to other more than 1,000 prisoners uh, of uh, Palestinian prisoners in the Israeli jails. I think that this will be the first achievement that Hamas will, will do uh, in the coming months. Uh, but the reconstruction mechanism is not something easy. It's about uh, fund and aid that will enter Gaza and Israel uh, was imposing the, uh, the siege since 2007 to prevent uh, the easy entry for uh, fund and for aid and considering that uh, opening the borders will give Hamas the opportunity to improve its military uh, capabilities and um, the dual use material uh, were banned because they don't want Hamas to improve its capabilities. So I think that this is a challenge uh, and this is not clear that Hamas and Israel were agreeing on, but what is ongoing on the ground is that Hamas and Israel are uh, continue progressing uh, for negotiating for a swabbing deal. However, the reconstruction and other economic uh, aspects of the negotiation uh, between Israel and Hamas are not clear and are, are not improving. Let me ask you a more uh, kind of personal question. You've not only been covering the conflict as a reporter, but you live in Gaza. You have a family there. Tell us about how you have managed your own personal concerns, your family concerns, while doing, I may say, such a fantastic job reporting on the war. Yes, actually, it is it is not easy to, to say that the war has ended. We still feel uh, that you know, this war was very difficult compared to the previous wars. Uh, it was the first time that all my family members were sleeping near the door just, uh, just in case uh, they will be um, called um, or they will call our building to evacuate immediately. So it was not easy 11 days. Um, uh, we, were, we are living in the western part of Gaza City where we are considering this uh, calm uh, place that uh, don't have that much clear uh, military um, activities. However, this place was the most targeted actually place uh, or a zone during the past, uh, the, the latest escalation, uh, it was nine days of the escalation that was like earthquakes were happening with this Israeli strikes targeting the infrastructures, the ministries, Ministry of Interior Offices, Ministry of Finance, uh, and uh, even the streets near the, the sea and, the, and um, other, other areas here in Gaza where, where in, in near my house were targeted. So it was not easy for all of us to, to, um, to normalize the, the situation after, after the end of the um, fight. I think that we all are facing this problem. It's not easy. We are trying to go for, for example, we went actually to the sea. Uh, we understand that it is polluted, but we 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 are trying to manage the possible uh, chances to have fresh air. We have trying to have more uh, social gatherings. And I know that COVID-19 is a problem. We are trying to get vaccine, vaccination 
for me, I, I, I was uh, lucky to, to receive the vaccination because I am under the allowed age to get the vaccine. Uh, my sisters are trying to get the vaccine, but it is not allowed for them because it is limited. So I think that the situation in Gaza hard and there are no uh, good solutions for you to think about or substitutions to think about. The only thing that most of time we are talking about is traveling, is leaving Gaza. But we know that leaving Gaza is also not easy because it is not leaving a, a country that you are living in only. You, you are leaving everything. You are leaving um, your home and this is not something easy. Biden administration is leading an international effort to rally assistance to Gaza. Pledges so far, including from the Gulf, seem to total over a billion dollars. Are people there overall hopeful? And, and what are the feelings about the United States, Egypt, some of the Gulf states uh, after the conflict? I think that the people in Gaza are still affected by uh, Abraham Accord, and they think that uh, some country, some Gulf countries, uh, will not be able uh, or not will will not have the willingness uh, to support Gaza uh, clearly, and they are uh, they feel hopeless about what happened, especially that the violations in the uh, West Bank and Jerusalem are still continuing. However. I, I saw many people who were happy and appreciating the Egyptian support, the Qatari support, and they think that this escalation um, supported them to to uh, speak more to international community and to the world about Gaza and about the struggle of Gaza. For people in Gaza, they are appreciating the Qatari and the Cairo, uh, the Qatari and the Egyptian rule in the reconstruction mechanism. They understand the pressure that those two countries are doing on Israel to achieve uh, the reconstruction mechanism. But they they still feel hopeless about some Gulf countries that normalize uh, ties with, with Israel. And they think that uh, after uh, the, the latest war, um, these ties should not continue like the previous situation because the violations in West Bank uh, and in Jerusalem are continuing. So they, they hope that uh, the latest war will change something, but they are uh, following the news and they see the, the, uh, some uh, activities for Israelis in Arab countries and they still feel hopeless about this. Hannah, thank you for taking the time to join us again today on, on the Middle East. And uh, thank you for your outstanding reporting for El Monitor from Gaza. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will return after this short break. I'm Ben Kaspit, Al Monitor veteran columnist reporting from Israel, one of the world's major news and action suppliers of all times, comparing to its tiny size. I've been covering and analyzing the political, diplomatic, and military arenas in Israel for over 34 years. My best-selling biography, The Netanyahu Years, was out two years ago. I covered seven prime ministers, one major war, two intifadas, one prime minister's assassination, two and a half peace treaties, four military operations in Gaza, and it's not letting up anytime soon. I'm glad to invite you to On Israel, our brand new podcast, where we will discuss major events in Israel and its surroundings, 
talk to decision makers, leaders, and analysts, and try to understand the chaos that comes with the territory of Israel and the Middle East. You will never have a dull moment with us. See you soon here on Israel Al-Monitor. Thanks again to our guest, Hannah Sawa, for joining us today from Gaza, and to our production team of Phil Colabro of Al-Monitor and Beowulf Rochlin of Two Square Media Productions. And of course, to all of you for listening. We will return next week. And in the meantime, please sign up for this and our other Al-Monitor podcast on Israel at your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.